Hi friends, this is Gary Novosel. This is the Raw Dog Hawaii podcast. We help dogs live allergy-free lives through raw whole foods. I want to talk about, this is a little bit of a rant because I just read an article recently from the University of Helsinki that's titled Hair Arsenic Level in Rice-Based Diet-Fed Staffordshire Bull Terriers. And the background to this study, um, it, it's, it was done because there have been ongoing concerns related to inorganic arsenic and rice. And what the medical industry has been finding uh, with regard to uh, chronic toxicity in human beings, um, especially kids. And we know that rice is a very common ingredient in pet food. It's typically one of the first five ingredients um, on the list in most foods. Uh, starches, uh, in general, are um, the main constituent of, of the majority of dry pet foods. Although there there are some companies um, that are trying to do better. Um, this rant is is based on the ones that are putting uh, profit before protection, profit before health, uh, or putting uh, really nice looking pictures of food on the front of the bag and, and putting really crap ingredients on the inside. But the purpose of the study was to assess the risk of chronic inorganic arsenic exposure um, to dogs. And they had... Um, Seven dogs in the uh, test group that were roughly a little less than four years old, uh, and then nine dogs that were a little over four years old uh, that uh, did not consume any of the rice. And they, they compared the results of um, arsenic in um, the hair, which is a Hair is often used as uh, one of the uh, easily testable indicators uh, for both uh, drugs and toxicity uh, and uh, other, uh, other contaminants of the sort. And what they found was that the inorganic arsenic level was uh, significantly higher than dogs uh, that did not eat uh, rice-based diets. And they conclude that the, they say the results suggest that eating a rice-based diet for long periods of time represents a risk, a risk for chronic inorganic arsenic exposure in dogs. So we, we know this to be true in humans, yet rice is still very, very commonly served, uh, very commonly consumed, especially in Hawaii and a very common ingredient in pet foods. So my question is, why? If, if we know that an ingredient is harmful, science confirms that it is, it is harmful. And I'm running a pet food company why wouldn't it be in my customer's best interest for me to take it out, for me to put a warning on it, for me to 
uh, let my customers know that, hey, this may not be the best thing for your dog or cat. And this is where we get into conflicts of interest and product ingredient transparency. Most, not all, but most raw pet food companies, if you ask them, or, and several will have it published on their website, but if you ask them uh, for the sourcing of their food, um, they're happy to brag about it. Uh, they're not just gonna tell you. You'll hear stories about their, their farmers. Um, you, you'll see pictures of the ranches um, and of the organic farms. They're very proud of where they get their ingredients from, just like we are, because we know the quality that we're striving to achieve. And, and we push our vendors, our farmers and ranchers, pretty hard to keep maintaining that quality. And, and along with that quality comes a price. So we occasionally get asked, uh, well, your, your pet food's awfully expensive. Well, yeah, 95% um, of what goes into uh, a bag or a patty or um, a chub or in the nuggets of our products, 95% of it is whole animal. So other than head, hide, hooves, feet, feathers, and digestive tract, uh, we literally use the whole animal. And... The reason for that is because that's how a dog would find it in the wild. That's what they were, they would eat if they were to, to kill and consume an animal. Um, unfortunately, minus the hair and the feathers, because both of those are, are really good ingredients uh, for dogs to consume. And, and I'll cover that in a later episode. But transparency is not what you see from the big pet food companies. Not at all. The reason is that I think it's over 90% of all of the world's dry pet food come from about seven companies. Mars Corporation is the largest it's the candy bar company. Mars also owns VCA Animal Hospitals and Banfield Pet Hospitals. Uh, Banfield Pet Hospitals are located in uh, Petco chains or Petco stores. And they also hold interest in pet pharmaceutical companies. So here's the difference. These big publicly traded companies, their executives have one mission and one mission alone, and that is a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. Their shareholders may or may not be their customers. They are usually not. They are usually uh, other institutions that are looking to make a return on their stock investments. So. Mars and Hill Science Diet and other dry pet food companies, Hill Science Diet, of course, has been pummeled with issues with vitamin D toxicity. Um, you, you can search any 
dry pet food company on the internet and and you can look at the the litany of recalls and and why what got into the food plastics or metals or um, several years ago now uh, melamine uh, made it into uh, just about every dry product that was on the shelves the pet aisles were literally stripped bare of of recalled food Uh, there was almost nothing in those aisles because it so dramatically affected this this huge industry. And then these little raw pet food companies come along wanting to do the right thing, maybe naively, trying to source from the the best places they possibly can and make a pet food that is nutritionally beneficial to the animals that consume it. So the difference, in, in my opinion, is one of us is practicing sick care and one of us is practicing preventative health care. I can say Raw Duck Hawaii does not hold any interest in any other companies. Uh, We we do not have any interest uh, with veterinarians. Uh, Most of them, um, I don't know if they openly hate us, but they sure don't like us. Uh, They are, veterinarians are at risk if they give advice that is pro-raw pet food diet. Uh, The American Medical Veterinary Association has taken a formal stance against raw. And we know why. The why is the money, right? These, These big companies comprise billions of dollars and have heavy lobbying activities and the guys like me and, and my bigger peers, um, we don't. We, we don't have lobbyists working on our behalf uh, to make sure that uh, people and dogs get the best, highest quality, best source, freshest food that they can. I just happen to think that that's what you should be eating, you know, what should be normal. Uh, we, we shouldn't be lobbying over what does or does not go into a pet food solely for the purpose of profit. But in today's world, that's kind of how it works. But I wanted to bring this study to your attention because this is not the only thing that is in these dry foods. When we see uh, corn, wheat, rice, soy, potato, barley, oatmeal, quinoa, peas, lentils, pea flour, uh, rice flour brewer's yeast. I mean, that that list goes on and on. Uh, You'll even see how uh, on some labels you'll see peas, pea starch, pea flour, and pea protein. I mean, they've taken a pea and and broken it out into four different ingredients. Um, uh, And then things like natural flavors. You may not know this, but MSG is considered a natural flavoring. There are a lot of things that are considered natural flavors that um, first, AFCO, the American Association of Feed Control Officers, does not have a definition for the word natural. And um, many of these are far from natural. But by saying natural flavors, it makes it sound good to a consumer. Therefore, it must be good for a pet. So what are you to do as a consumer? and you have an animal that you want to feed. Well, first, look at the ingredients. If you look at 
a package of ingredients and the last two-thirds of the ingredients are vitamins and minerals and preservatives but you see up at the top it, it has beef and it has squash and it has uh, blueberries and it has all these other things but at the end there are all of these vitamins listed what that tells you is that that food has been probably if it's dry and sitting on a shelf it certainly has been cooked it certainly has preservatives in it to keep the remaining fats from going rancid and spoiling that's why it can have a year-long plus shelf life but the majority of those starches or at least a predominant portion of those starches are likely GMO and likely have been sprayed or treated with Roundup or some other type of herbicide. Uh, very likely they've been treated with pesticides. They don't tell you that on the bag. That's something that you're going to have to figure out on your own and that information is well buried. If you look on a package of raw frozen food you're gonna look for the same thing if there's this big laundry list of vitamins and minerals that have been added back to this raw food that's an indicator that the food has been high pressure pasteurized what does that mean HPP that means that once the food was formed or at some point in the process it was exposed to pressures exceeding 60,000 pounds per square inch. And to put that in perspective, uh, the Marianas Trench is the deepest place in the ocean. And if I remember the number correctly, I think the highest pressure there is around 14,000 pounds per square inch. I, I may be wrong, um, but I know that high pressure pasteurization exceeds the pressure that's applied to that food uh, that would be equal to the, that depth in the ocean. Now, why would they do that? Well, one way to kill pathogens, a potential way, and it is not foolproof, if you're using kind of questionable ingredients or ingredients which may have a higher statistical probability to contain pathogens, if you cook it high temperatures, you're more likely to kill the pathogen. So that's, that's one potential control step. The second is high pressure pasteurization. So I take a raw food, I subject it to 60 plus thousand pounds per square inch, and it's gonna kill all the living organisms in that food, both the pathogenic ones, the bad bacteria, as well as the good ones or the, the probiotic bacteria. It's also going to cause changes in the structure in the meat and in the fat and in the vitamins and the minerals. So to have it pass the AFCO standard for being a 100% complete and balanced food, they have to add all that stuff back. So when it goes to the lab and they do nutritional testing of it, the lab has to detect that certain level of vitamins. Now, here's the kicker. Just because those vitamins are in there and a lab can detect it doesn't mean your dog can absorb it they are synthetic vitamins and they are not nature-derived minerals 
So your dog may or may not, or any cat may or may not get any benefit from it at all, but it passes a nutritional profile. And that's all they need in order to put that on the box. As the lab says, yep, it's within the AFCO standards for a nutrient profile for dogs, so you're good to go. The other thing that I look for is I look for a very short list of ingredients. Chicken. Ground chicken bone. Nothing with the word meal appended to it, like chicken meal, rice meal, corn meal, uh, salmon meal. Those, those are rendered ingredients. They have been processed. Um, that is, salmon meal is not the same as salmon. Trust me. So I'm looking for a short list of ingredients, and I'm looking for transparency. If they are telling me um, something about their chicken, like we use uh, certified sustainably farmed chicken that is organic. Certified sustainably farmed is a big deal. Most consumers have no idea what that means. And I'll let you look it up. Mr. Google does a much better job at, at explaining it than, than I could. What organic chicken? Organic vegetables. And, and which ones? And then if there are any additives, if there's something in there uh, that's to protect the color or to protect the taste, um, sodium benzoate or things like that. I, I, don't, I don't want that in my food. What I want is I want my dog to experience as close to going out and hunting and getting the nutrients that they would in a prey animal, but I want that as conveniently as being able to take a patty out of a box, thaw it, and feed it to my dog, or pour some nuggets into a bowl and feed it to my 18 and a half year old Tibetan Spaniel, Minnie, who's uh, snoozing about three feet away from me. So my rant is almost over, but my rant is this. Big guys, if you know that something causes cancer, if you know that something represents a chronic risk of inorganic arsenic exposure and that it has legitimized and studied health concerns, why don't you try something new? Put ethics before profit once. Start to do the right thing. And then once you do it and you feel how good it is, keep doing the right thing. And quit using cheap crap, putting it in the food, because you know you're not giving the dog or cat a choice. My job is to help educate consumers, and I hope that I've done that for you at least a little bit today. Thanks again. Um, episode 3, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, is going to be on a much lighter note. It won't be a rant. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you back then. Aloha. Have a great afternoon.